0: We turn now to uh, verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4. We've spent, I guess, four sessions on verse 1 and turn now to this surprising, very, very personal address to Euodia and to Syntyche and to this true companion who's not named. Let's read it. I entreat Euodia and I entreat Syntyche to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers Whose names are in the book of life? This is <laughs> a wonderful place to settle in for a few sessions and watch how Paul deals with loved ones, beloved, who are his joy and his crown, whom he loves, and they're having some difficulties. Oh, what lessons are here for us in dealing with conflict within the body of Christ. So, Father, we want so much to grow in our capacities to make peace and to live in harmony and to properly, in Christ, agree with one another and help us now to learn from how you inspired Paul to deal with this issue. I pray through Christ. Amen. So, in this session, all I want to do is orient this problem addressed here in the wider letter to show this is really one small uh, instance of the larger issue that is addressed in uh, his call to agree or to be of a mind that is the same. I put the Greek here just because it's going to show up elsewhere and help me identify where this problem has been seen before. So let me show you how this problem of, of the church, various people in the church, here it's, it's Euodia and Syntyche, not having the same mind has been addressed in every chapter of this letter, now again in chapter 4. So let's go back to chapter one, right at the heart of the message of this book, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So how would you do that? Let your, your charter of life be worthy of the charter of the gospel, which you have not as a constitutional nurse, but a constitution where your citizenship is in heaven. That's implied in this manner of life word here. So that, and here's the way they are going to show that they are walking worthy of the gospel. So that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction and of your salvation. So the evidence of their salvation and the opponent's destruction is their oneness, standing firm in one spirit, one mind, side by side. And I I put this striving side by side the greek here because that's w- what was said of these women they have labored side by side it's the very same word so these women here have have struggled or wrestled or labored with with Paul side by side. And that's what he longs for. That is the sign of their salvation. When, when the church is laboring in one mind, uh, fearless, fearless and unified. This is a sign of their salvation. Or you could say that their names are in the book of life over here in chapter four, verses one to three. These women and Clement and the others, their name is in the book of life. That is, this is a sign of their salvation. So right from the outset, the big issue that Paul longs to see addressed and accomplished here in this church is a, a, a fighting, a laboring, a struggling side by side in one mind with one spirit, and he may have had in the back of his mind that. Uh, Euodia and Syntyche are not there yet, but I doubt if it was limited to just them. This is a much bigger issue. Over here in Romans 15, just a totally different church. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony. That's the very same phrase as we have in Philippians 4, 2, Agreeing in the Lord, live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father. This is a this is a church-wide, empire-wide, across the centuries issue, right for for Christians to live in harmony with one another. So the first parallel with these words to Euodia and Syndicate to agree is in chapter 1, verses 27 and 28. One spirit, one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Then you go to chapter 2, and this is probably the most fundamental passage in the book where it says, so if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy. How? Being of the same mind. That's the very same phrase as in chapter four. Oh, you Odia, O oh, Syntyche, agree, have the same mind in the Lord. And now we see it here in two, two. Complete my joy of being of the same mind. Very same phrase. Having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. You get the point. I mean, Paul is so burdened that the church not be at each other's uh, throats as they represent Christ in this world. And then he turns to give them advice how to do it. So he's not dealing with this problem with Euodia and Syndicate. Fresh, that is, for the first time. He's been dealing with it all along. Do nothing from selfish ambition and conceit. He's expecting that euodia and Syntyche have read this. But in humility, euodia and Syntyche count others like each other, Euodia, count Syntyche, Syntyche, count Euodia as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, Euodia, not to your own interest, Syntyche, not just to your own interest, but also to the interests of others. And then this greatest of all admonition, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And then he gives Jesus as an example of the great suffering servant. So there it is again in chapter 2. So chapter 1, chapter 2, and now here look at chapter 3. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. That's the same word. Think a certain way, think together a certain way. And then maybe he has Jude and Seneca in mind here when he says, "And if in anything you think Otherwise, so he knows that there are folks in the church who are not completely on the same page with what Paul is saying here about how they should uh, pursue the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ. They are being perhaps a little earthly minded, as it says in 319 and says, if someone is out of step on these matters, God will reveal that to you. So three times, chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, and now here, in chapter four, he's saying, Euodia and Syntyche, I entreat you to agree, to agree, in the Lord." So this this issue here of the tension between these two women is not new; it's not unique. It is all over the epistle. Indeed, it's all over the New Testament. And let me give you one illustration so that you can have this in the back of your mind as we close. Do you remember in Acts 15:37 when Paul and Barnabas had a falling out? Now, Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them into the work. So they had very different sense of what was the best strategy here in dealing with Mark. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other, Barnabas separated from each other. That's not exactly the outcome he wants from Euodia and Syntyche. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. Paul chose Silas, departed having been commended by the brothers. Now, this is not what we want to happen here, right? This is not the way Paul wants it to turn out with Euodia and Syntyche. And I'm just drawing attention to that to show that perhaps behind Paul's dealing with this tension here, is his own experience, and his disagreement with Barnabas isn't the only time that Paul uh, had people split from him. He knows exactly how painful this is, and here he's dealing with this, and we're going to watch him next time, how amazingly he deals with this. So many ways we can learn from Paul here how he handles this.